Hello and welcome. This is a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org. Uh, we continue our podcasts about the war which Russia started against Ukraine. This series is brought to you by Internews Ukraine and Ukraine Crisis Media Center, two Ukrainian media NGOs. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of ukraineworld.org. We are making this podcast with Tityana Harkova, who is in charge of international outreach at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Ukraine World uh, is brought to you by Internews Ukraine. Hello, Tanya. Hello. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ukraine World. So we continue our podcast and we will describe the changes which are going on right now around the war which Russia started against Ukraine. So in your opinion, what are the key changes? Uh, well, uh, what we see now, I think that there is a radical change in what uh, in this war because what we are observing on the ground for several days already is the retreat of Russian forces from Kiev, the capital, and from Chernigiv. It comes progressively. So in the first days, we were observing uh, some kind of uh, some kind of partial re- retreat from the from the place, but now we receive information about that most of uh, Uh, suburbs in Kyiv are already free from Russian army. Not all of them still, because uh, but Irpin, for example, is liberated. We received extremely good news for, for us about Brovary and Brovary region today, that it, there is no more Russian soldiers in the region. And what I see- am actually I am actually in Brovary right now. So yeah. what do you, what do you, can you confirm that, Volodya? Well, in Bravari there are no Russian soldiers, but of course in the region that they, they, they can be. But uh, so far Bravari is quiet. Uh, uh, I, I, I hear no explosions. On the contrary, there were big explosions yesterday in Kyiv. But I will come back to this later. But continue. Yeah, so, um, but at the same time, and another extremely, extremely good news from yesterday night is about Chernobyl. Ch- uh, yesterday, we it was confirmed that Russian army was leaving Chernobyl area, and this is extremely good news for us because this is a kind of real danger for, for the whole country and maybe the whole continent. Um, we do know that Russian soldiers received some dangerous uh, dangerous radiation doses in, in the, uh, while in Chernobyl because there were some fires. Uh, at the same time, and a lot of them were by, by several groups were um, were in the hospital in Belarus. So this is good news for us. They signed the official kind kind of official document uh, to Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian side, stating that they are leaving the zone. So this is uh, one of important dangers, which let's hope is over. And uh, we see that at the same time, all these military units. Some of them, at least, are trying to reach to Donbass, to the east, via Belarus and Russia, in in a manner to reinforce what is happening now in Donbass. And we consider it to be a kind of a second plan of, uh, of Putin. Third, maybe, we don't know which exactly, but the, the plan now is to conquer as much as they can in Donbass. Uh, maybe the whole regions of Donetsk and Lugansk, maybe up to administrative borders, and maybe to to conquer Mariupol, and in in order to have a kind of access, direct access to Crimea, and then maybe they will be ready to negotiate. This is uh, their plan, but um, we know that Ukrainian army is very well informed about that, and that uh, Ukrainian initiative, Ukrainian uh, uh, resistance will will reinforce in that area as well. 
So we do hope, and there are some ex- some successes also. For example, in Kharkiv region, uh, two days ago, there were good, extremely good news from from that uh, point, stating that uh, Russians lost um, important troops uh, close to Kharkiv. And um, so we, we will do everything possible to destroy um, their plans in the east as well. Yes, and this is a very <clears throat> actually dangerous development because uh, they really want to focus their forces in the east. Uh, it's a long, long way actually from Izum to the north to Mariupol to the south. And uh, but there we have uh, the concentration of Ukrainian troops, uh, very professional Ukrainian troops, obviously because they have been staying there uh, on the on the front line with the so-called uh, republics, Donetsk and Luhansk republics. And uh, there are, of course, the 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 estimations that Russians will try to encircle this big part of Ukrainian army. Uh, to make something that uh, they have done in 2015 when there was this tragedy of Debaltseva and when you know, uh, Russians actually forced Ukraine to sign the so-called Minsk II deals, uh, the second Minsk deals uh, in February 2015. So the, the, there is a danger that they will try to force Ukraine to sign something like Minsk III or something like that, which will be uh, even worse for Ukraine than Minsk II, because Minsk II was actually a peace on Russian terms. So it's it's indeed very important. Um, at the same time, yeah, the news about withdrawal from the Kiev and Chernihiv regions uh, it can be just uh, a delaying of uh, taking of time for the rotation or something like that. So we should also not be very trustful to this news as well. But one of the interpretations uh, actually is that Putin will try to concentrate on something, uh, primarily on Donbass, and he will try to do that uh, to have some results by, let's say, 9th of May because the symbolic dates are very important for him. 9th of May is the so-called victory day. And as we know, Putin's propaganda is so much focused on this obsession with the victory over Nazism. So basically, they I think they're aiming to, uh, to defeat Ukrainian army in Donbass. And by erasing Mariupol, just dis- annihilating the city, uh, killing so many people in the city, they will claim that this is part of the denazification because they were fighting against the Nazis uh, in Mariupol. They are exploiting this topic of Azov battalion, whom they consider to be neo-Nazis, and they spread this propaganda also in the West. And uh, this is their plan. Look, um, as I was in Kiev yesterday, I talked to some insiders and people who know the situation in Mariupol. And uh, we launched a hashtag Mariupol Genocide on our Twitter, Ukraine World Twitter. And indeed something which going on uh, there, you, you, cannot, you cannot really imagine. You cannot really imagine the scale of the human tragedies which are in, in Mariupol, unfortunately. So some of the insiders tell us that there can be uh, from 30 to 40,000 dead people. Uh, we don't know the, the the figure because the initial figure of 7,000, it's obviously, it's underestimated. People are not buried properly. People, there are bodies everywhere. The, the, the witnesses from Mariupol who escaped Mariupol. 
And today we had another humanitarian column from Mariupol. People are saying that the reality is that no one, there is no one to bury people. And people can be uh, dead not even from the shelling, but from the cold, because there was time when there was minus 10 degrees. And let me remind you that after the week of shelling uh, Mariupol, it already was in the early March, the 2nd or the 3rd of March, yeah, we we are making this record on the 1st of April. So over the about the month already, Mariupol was without heating, without electricity, without water. So people could have been dying from hunger, from starvation, from cold, uh, from heart attacks, because the, the, the shelling is just continuous. And uh, almost all the buildings are destroyed. This is a, a city of half a million people. And this is really a genocide because uh, Russians did not, apparently they did not let for many humanitarian corridors, corridors to leave the city to, to Ukrainian territory. Moreover, they are now deporting people to Russia saying this is real humanitarian corridor and they move it to Rostov or to Taganrog. They uh, they take over the passports of, of men, for example, and make them into the rightless people and concentrating them into, into the camps surrounding the city. So that this is what we hear about Mariupol. And uh, if you want to understand, visually look at these terrifying pictures, go to our uh, Ukraine World Twitter and just hashtag Mariupol Genocide, one word, Mariupol Genocide. And we, under this hashtag, we post lots of videos and lots of photos because some people have escaped. And of course, they can now, they are now sharing these photos through Telegram channels or through something like that. Yes, and we already know some figures from these uh, so-called forced evacuations or deportation. Uh, deportations, we know that Russian army is trying to get out, the, to, to deport all these people from Mariupol to Russia. Mm, they are 45,000 already, what, what was confirmed already. And what they, call, what they call filtration, what we call filtration camps, so verification camps, so people are controlled with their papers and they also look for their cameras, for phones and everything they could prove, uh, all these, uh, show all these ruins and all these pictures of the devastated city. And then they are uh, going to Taganrog mostly, to Taganrog and maybe Rostov as well. Mm, and we still, uh, and there is a, a, also some organization in, in Ukraine how to get all these people back because, but some of them, they don't have passports. They are starving people and um, who, who spend a lot of time in um, in a city without, without heat and electricity, without food, without water. This is something really uh, you can hardly imagine if you think it over. And at that very moment, we know that yesterday, for example, there were 45 buses organized from the Russian, from the Ukrainian side to evacuate people, but they were not allowed to um, to come inside the city. So this is still a pending story. And we know we estimated at that very moment when we are talking about 100 and to, uh, from 100 to 150,000 people are still inside. 
And I've seen several pictures, several photos with humanitarian aid coming from Russia. You know, they're creating this propaganda picture saying that it was Azov Battalion who was shelling the city and now the Russians who are saving people from here. So all these, uh, all these propaganda issues. At the same time, um, uh, speaking from the military aspect of Mariupol, this is something incredible, but uh, but Ukrainian units, Ukrainian troops, and Azov battalion are still inside the city, and they are protecting the center of the city at that moment. So uh, Russians, Russian army is not controlling the city now, not the whole city at least, some 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 parts of the city only, and. Um, Strategically speaking, this is important for for Ukraine uh, because uh, on one side, this uh, battle in Mariupol it keeps uh, a big part of U- of Russian army uh, occupied with Mariupol, and they cannot attack uh, positions of the Ukrainian army back to north, so to this uh, main line of Ukrainian defense. In, the, in Donbass, so strategically speaking, this is important. And I was also very much impressed by what was communicated by President Zelensky several days ago already, uh, when he told that he he spoke he spoke many times with Mariupol defenders with these Ukrainian units, and he suggested to them that if they like, they can they can quit the battle, they can just go out. Uh, and they refused because they told him that we are not able to leave behind us all these wounded soldiers, our, our people wounded, and even all, all who are dead already. So we are not able to do that. And at the same time, we received some rumors at that very moment. This is not at all confirmed. But what we see in the South, what is happening in the South, it looks like Ukrainian uh, units, Ukrainian army is trying to get to Mariupol. So this is not confirmed at all, but we cannot exclude the possibility that there will be some military aid from the Ukrainian army to Mariupol as well. At least what is clear now that they uh, were successful in dividing these forces coming from Crimea, from Crimea in the south, and these Russian forces coming from the east. And this is uh, good news for, 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 for Ukraine and for Ukrainian army and for Mariupol as well, because um, we understand what, uh, what Russia is trying to do. They're trying to do this corridor to, to link uh, Donbass to Crimea. And they have to, anyway, they have to, to, to they want to finish it in, in Mariupol. But still, uh, while they are busy with uh, Mariupol, they cannot, um, they cannot continue. So this is an incredible, inhumane story uh, of the city. Every day we read here in Ukraine um, the stories of people who survived. Uh, even here in, in the West, where I am personally now, we uh, received already um, several people from Mariupol, uh, people, families with, with kids who escaped this, uh, this hell. Um, and uh, we are very happy for them, but we also cry for those who are still in the city. And we read these stories, and everybody, uh, it's the same story. It's a story of horror, of real hell, when you, you you have no place, really no place to live, and no security, and this constant shelling, 
and all these atrocities. This is something incredible that they, they could happen in the in the center of Europe in the 21st century. Uh, but um, let's let's uh, let's follow this story. Let's do whatever we can for people who escaped Mariupol, and let's hope that Ukrainian army will be able in the coming days, maybe in a week, to to do something about the about uh, about Mariupol from from the north. And let's yeah, hope. Le- le- Let's let's follow indeed, and what we are making here in, on our podcast, we try to give you testimonies, uh, testimonies of people. We collect them, some of them, some of these testimonies, these people, the escaped people sent to us. Uh, some of them are uh, actually we find on social networks. So one of these testimony uh, from Anna Murlikina that we quote on our Twitter. Uh, How can we explain what we all lost? How can I make a person who lives in a comfortable, safe city understand my pain somehow? I have been building my own world in Mariupol. I wanted to make it grow and become the way I want to see it. We have been rebuilding the old house that my mother and I received from her parents for the last 20 years, brick by brick. Last year, for the first time in my life, I made a real loan nearby. I dreamed of moving forward and making the garden I had dreamed of since childhood. My whole world collapsed. There is nothing. No pictures painted by my sons. I collected them with great love, putting in folders. No baby teeth of my boys in memory boxes. No family photos. All that was dear to my heart. I hope that I will find something in the wreckage. What is it like to live without the past? The older you get, the scarier it becomes. I'm afraid I won't have time to rebuild anything. And I hardly want to. I can't be happy anywhere. Mariupol is me. And I want to be at home. Yeah. Sorry, very, very difficult to read it. Uh, Of course. Uh, Another... Another testimony, because it's it's not only about about Mariupol. Another testimony that I will try to to read is uh, from uh, actually from Kiev region, very 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 close to where we are now, where I'm now. It's a village Novi uh, Novi Petrivci, and with Tanya, you remember we we went there several times. It's to the north of Kiev. The father, the father uh, lost his son. So two-year-old son, the father Oleg Spak, said he found his two-year-old son Stepan under the rubble days after the attack. Uh, he says a two-year-old child who hasn't experienced life yet. He died for nothing. So Spak walked amid rubble and pointed out that, pointed out that. Pointed out, pointed out what was uh, once his child's bedroom when he was sleeping at the time of the attack. He wanted to sleep in his bed again and stay there to sleep. So he was buried under the debris. And then the, the father, after days of the attack, he found, he found the body. And uh, also, you know, witnesses from Mariupol, from other cities, from Chernihiv, which is also, there are so many people dead right now, 
and people cannot escape because Russians bombed the, the, the bridge from Chernihiv to Kiev. Chernihiv is to the north of Kiev, not very far away. Uh, saying that basically, well, w when there is a huge shell uh, uh, goes to the building or the huge bomb, let me remind you that Russians threw a 500 kilogram bomb on uh, Mariupol Drama Theater. 500 kilogram bomb, which killed uh, at least uh, 300 people at once. And, uh, well, the witnesses are saying that if a, if a big shell goes to the house, we have multi-store buildings in Ukraine, you know, big, big blocks, residential houses, not like a private house. It's a big, for example, I don't know, nine-floor building with several passages. So you can imagine that several hundreds apartments are in this building, and this building can collapse after one or several shellings. So this is what's happening. Why it happened? Our insights say that Russians were very quick in attacking Mariupol, uh, from Crimea. So here, you know, uh, the, the question is uh, that, that Crimea annexation is is continuing, continuing to bring tragedies. So what happened in 2014 is bringing genocide today. You know, therefore, Ukrainians were saying all the time, look, Crimea is not only about uh, annexation occupation, it's about military base, and it can be dangerous. This is what happened. So the uh, the, the, the basically uh, the, the the big the same with the north with Kiev and Chernihiv uh, because they were attacked from Belarus right uh, so all these so-called annexations so not not legal not military but in a way it was a tacit uh, an not annexation of Belarus because Belarus is formally still independent but at the same time what happened in summer 2020 when Lukashenko didn't win his elections but but he did everything like as if he has won the election. So and all this repression, uh, political repression, which started in the country, it allowed an isolation, further isolation of Lukashenko. So his his links uh, to to Putin made all this possible. And yes, I would agree. So absolutely right about Crimea and. It is also about Lukashenko and about because Kiev would never be would never be uh, attacked in a way it it, it was attacked uh, one month ago if there were no Belarus territory. So when we um, when we will talk in 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 some time about the role of Lukashenko uh, in and Belarus in this war, this is absolutely clear for us that Belarus, I mean official Belarus, is 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 guilty. So it's guilty because uh, it made possible many many shellings and many military planes were coming to Ukrainian territory from Belarus and many missiles were coming from Belarus. So every day, so the, they are using Belarus like a as well military base, even if uh, Belarusian Belarus troops are not. Uh, used at that very moment on, on Ukrainian territory. But in a way, this is a participation, in fact, clear participation of Belarus in this war. Exactly. <coughs> this is this is what's happening. So coming back to Mariupol, our insights <coughs> have explained us to what, what happened. The Russians attacked very quickly from Crimea. Uh, they attacked very quickly the cities that are close uh, to Mariupol, Berdyansk and Melitopol. And they they started just destroying the infrastructure. So they destroyed, annihilated very quickly the electricity substations 
near the Mariupol, which supplied electricity. And this resulted in then lack of water, lack of heating. And, uh, you know, as I said, like from the two, tw uh, 2nd of March, 3rd of March, we had already a situation when uh, Mariupol was cut from electricity. And that means cut from civilization. Because no people lost uh, heating, people lost connections, people lost water etc etc this is unfortunately what happened you mentioned this uh, propaganda element and this is also very important that we stress on it because what russians are doing right now they're showing all these pictures of mariupol and saying this is ukrainian nazis i mean uh, uh, what what they call it by ukrainian nazis who did all that as if Ukrainian, any Ukrainian army was, you know, bombing Mariupol from the sky, as if Ukrainian army had missiles to bomb Mariupol, uh, long-range long on mid-range missiles, as if Ukrainian army has those 500-kilogram bombs to, to, uh, to throw on, on a drama theater. So the, the tactics of the Russians is the following. Do the atrocity say it's your enemy who did the atrocity and justify even more atrocity because when russian people are looking at these pictures and they're really believing that they're inhumane ukrainian nazis who are bombing their own city staying in the city by the way right so this is this is this is the reality mm -hmm. well let's what talk next yeah. Well, well, yeah. Le well let's talk about about a different um, issue which is seems to be important to us now um, what we rec what we receive as information, what we feel here on the ground is that there is some changes in the arms supply issue today. For example, we've heard that Great Britain will be will supply much more arms, and not only defensive arms. I mean, small arms, but also some bigger, biggest, um, bigger things. And uh, uh, it is important to counterattack now. What we understand now that this is not only now; it's not only about resisting so when we are talking we were talking about this war like uh, resisting the, this russian army but now this is not about the resistance this is about liberation so what we need now we need more arms and more not only defensive but proactive if we can so we are not military experts but you you see what we mean so it's about re-attacking russian army in a much more effective uh, i would say aggressive maybe uh, way and to make them make them go away from the ukrainian territory what is uh, known about this issue now Lydia? Well, we hope to make a separate separate podcast on arms supply, military aid. We will just announce it. But what we understand is, okay, Ukrainians were addressing the West, uh, the international community, with the request, close the skies. Because the key advantage that Russians are having, and we're continuing to talk about all the time, is the sky, is air. So they are, because missiles uh, are hitting Ukrainian cities, uh, killing civilians, but also destroying Ukrainian military depots. And this is also very important. Uh, we understand that the international community is not thinking in terms of, you know, even downing the Russian missiles because everybody is afraid of provoking Russia, what, what is called escalation. The word which is we don't understand in Ukraine because, I mean, when, you, when your cities are wiped off the face of the earth, you cannot, go, you cannot understand the word escalation. Where else the escalation should take place? Is it not enough already? 
right? But uh, Ukrainians are increasingly saying, okay, if you're not closing the skies ourselves, give us the weapons, uh, we can do it ourselves. The weapons which are meant is primarily anti-air systems, air defense systems, anti-missile systems, not with the short range, because we got, for example, the short range systems like Stinger, etc., but also mid-range, long range maybe. And um, it is also very important to get armored vehicles, because armored vehicles are needed to transport soldiers very quickly, you know. Not necessarily tanks, but armored vehicles. Uh, these are very important. And the uh, interesting situation is that we know that for, for on several countries, for example, on Germany, what we know about Germany is that there are certain German companies which are ready to supply modern arms to Ukraine, not Soviet arms, because there are many countries that are ready to supply Soviet arms. And basically, sometimes Ukrainians are saying, OK, thank you, but we don't need it. Uh, there are some Soviet systems which can be supplied, of course, but and Ukraine needs them because Ukrainians know how to operate them if, if we're talking about, for example, air defense systems. But still, there are modern arms which can be supplied and there is uh, there should be a green light from, uh, the, from the national governments. And that's, that can be a problem, for example, with Germany that... Uh, there is so uh, so far not 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 a green light from German government, and this is what uh, Ukrainian Ukrainians really need. We hope that it will change, and the German position will also change. Another important issue is that uh, also our our sources among Ukrainian military experts said that well, this is not true that. Uh, air defense systems necessarily require a very long preparation because there or training because there are some air defense systems that can be supplied from the western countries they uh, they need uh, some smaller trainings because patriot systems can re really require very multi-month training but some other systems require maybe one month training so if they were supplied for example immediately after the the start of the war, they will be already okay, right? And the third issue is very important, that, okay, everybody is so much impressed with U Ukrainian spirit, uh, resistance, etc. Well, we should understand that Russian resources are much bigger, their military depots are much bigger, and Ukraine is not, you know, reaching out to destroy these military depots, whereas Russians are destroying Ukrainian military depots every day with their missile strikes. And uh, the problem can be that Ukrainians run out of the of their resources, and uh, you know you cannot beat the army with with spirit alone. You need you need shells, you need uh, equipment, you you need uh, missiles, you need rockets, and there is a chance to stop Putin now in Ukraine. But you, Ukraine really needs more and more armed supplies and uh, there is well the the difference between the distinction between offensive and defensive armed supplies yes that's it that's it well, let's let's cut the long story short so that's clear now so we are repeating this point that we need uh, these arms for for ma many times already and um what is important to highlight and let's stop here that what we see now is that these uh, appeals for for arms they are much more effective now than uh, even one week 
or two weeks ago, so we see some positive dynamics, and it reinforces the willingness of Ukrainian people to fight, readiness of Ukrainian army to fight. And we uh, uh, we all hope that the, this is a quite real scenario, uh, even to win in Donbass, not only in Kiev, in the north, what is already a military victory for Ukraine now, but also in Donbass. It will it will be a key development in the weeks coming weeks, and um, we all hope that uh, that the victory in that region will also come. Let me just finish with our regular chapter. We talk about Russian disinformation, Russian propaganda, Russian hate speech. And uh, our uh, we, we are monitoring this at Ukraine world very closely. And uh, we are monitoring also with our partners from Texty.org.ua. So you can see it on our Twitter, these, uh, these messages. One of the messages, for example, spread by Russian church. Orthodox Church, that they are making the war not with Ukraine, but with Satan. And this is literally Satan and his pride. Good and evil are in mortal combat. So they are, they are formulating this uh, in, this, uh, in these terms. Uh, another, another message was recently that when um, a missile Russian shell hit uh, Mykolaiv, Uh, they destroyed uh, Ukrainian uh, coat of arms, the so-called Trizub, the official Ukrainian coat of arms. And they called the coat of arms is a Nazi bandera symbol, which is, of course, a nightmare, absurdity, because the Trizub comes actually from the medieval times, uh, uh, it came from medieval times and uh, and was, uh, was one of the symbols of, of Ukrainian a Ukrainian intellectual uh, tradition. So you can follow other messages, um, you can follow other other such messages in our regular monitoring at Ukraine World Twitter. So this is it, this is our podcast explaining Ukraine. You can support us on patreon.com slash Ukraine World. Uh, this is a co-production between Internews Ukraine and Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Follow us on social networks, on SoundCloud, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Stay with Ukraine and... Uh